Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today we've got a special episode for you because we are interviewing a personal coach, a business coach, but also kind of a life coach, I guess, and really somebody that I've personally worked with to change my mindset. And I've seen really meaningful results, even though some of the way, some of the ideas are kind of unconventional, I guess, in the way that they're articulated. So I'm talking about John Mark Shaw. That's who this interview is with. As I mentioned, he's my personal coach. Uh, so it's a really interesting interview. And a lot of the ideas that he talks about, I personally use every day and I've seen great success with. So hopefully it should be uh, an interesting episode for you to listen to. Now, before we get there, we've got two sponsors. The first is Lupio. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Lupio. If RFPs are slowing down your sales team, you need to check out Lupio. It's the leading RFP response software trusted by more than 800 high-performing organizations across North America. It automates the tedious parts of the response process, like filling in the right answers and formatting documents, so you can finish RFPs in hours instead of days. See how Lupio can help with your next RFP. Go to lupio.com forward slash sales hacker to get a personal walkthrough today. The second sponsor is, of course, Outreach, the number one sales engagement platform. Outreach revolutionizes customer engagement by moving away from siloed conversations to a streamlined and customer-centric journey. Leveraging the next generation of artificial intelligence, the platform allows sales reps to deliver consistent, relevant, responsible communication for each prospect every time. Enabling personalization at scale, previously unthinkable, go to www.outreach.io. If you haven't applied to Revenue Collective yet, I really encourage you to do so. The mission at Revenue Collective is to help you as a professional unlock and achieve your professional potential. And we put together so many amazing resources. The core of it is, of course, community, but there's so much more to it. There's job assistance, there's coaching, there's mentorship, there's data, including compensation studies, just a whole suite of things that you can take advantage of. And during October, we're running our October membership drive. We're calling it Awesome October. So there's never been a better time. There may be some incentives for signing up now. You should talk to the enrollment manager but make sure you fill out your application. It's at revenuecollective.com. Without further ado, let's listen to my interview with John Mark Shaw. Hey, everybody, it's Sam Jacobs, and welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today on the show, we've got a very special guest. We've got John Mark Shaw, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him, and then there's a, there's a, an interesting personal detail uh, that, that we will get to. So John Mark Shaw is an executive and life coach, a business development consultant, a professional speaker, and a successful entrepreneur with over 25 years of executive leadership and management experience. John helps people and businesses grow by working with individuals, entrepreneurs, and leaders to develop a vision for where they want to be and a strategic plan to get there. As a sought-after coach, consultant, and speaker, John offers inspiring and transformational programs that help clients achieve new heights of success. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sam. I'm honored to be here. It's a real privilege for me. Well, thank you very much for saying that. So we like to start with your baseball card, which is basically an opportunity for you to tell us what you do in your words. I obviously just read your bio, but you know, executive and life coach, what does that mean? Tell us about, you know, sort of how you would describe both your title and, and the company that you're running. So what I essentially do is I help entrepreneurs. What I like to say is I help entrepreneurs connect to their higher power and purpose, follow their inner guidance and create lives and businesses that they love. And I do that by um, helping them develop mastery over their mindset and also creating strategies for them to you know, identify clearly where they are, 
develop a crystal clear vision of where they want to be, and then take massive action to get where they want to be. And that can be, you know, internal, that can be external, that can be personal life, and that can be in their businesses. Wow. And how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this for five years. I started my own business uh, just under five years ago. I was a uh, I was a restaurateur uh, for 25 years, and I um, that culminated in my co-founding and building a 30 million dollar business, uh, Hill Country Hospitality. And then um, I really always had a burning desire to to serve people on a deeper level and to help people grow both spiritually and in their lives and businesses. So. At the age as it was approaching 50, I took the leap to start a new chapter with a one-year-old daughter and a new family to support. But um, <laughs> I am now living my dream and, and grateful, so grateful to, to, have been, to have made that leap. Well, let's, uh, let's dive in there. So first, Hill Country Hospitality. That's, is that the legendary Hill Country Barbecue here in, here in New York? That's it my is. favorite barbecue place. Oh, that's, that's so nice of you to say. It, it, it is. And, um, you know, I, I spent 25 years working for some of the best restaurateurs. I ran restaurants for Danny Meyer. I was a chief operating officer for David Boulay. And, um, and then I met my partner, Mark, Mark Glosserman, and uh, we co-founded and built this company from the ground up. And it was a uh, incredible experience for me as a leader and um, building something from scratch and really learning the core of entrepreneurship. And I'm really grateful for the time that I spent there and uh, for my time in, in the hospitality industry. And it really taught me many, many things that I'm using today, every single day in terms of my uh, coaching practice. What are some of the things that it taught you? Well, you know, the 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 idea that that it's an internal game that, that um, as Tony Robbins says, success is 80% mindset and 20% strategy. And I believe that, that developing a clear vision of where you want to be is the most important and vital aspect of that. Making a firm decision, being committed, uh, being all in, you know, by any means necessary kind of energy. And then having the courage to take the scary steps, to have a strategic plan, to take the steps, to do it afraid, to do it imperfectly, to know that you're going to get it wrong. There's a level, a tremendous requirement of, of resilience to be uh, and self-love and self-acceptance so that you're forgiving yourself for your mistakes. Uh, I think uh, there's a great uh, quote that says, perfectionism is the enemy of success. We got so many things wrong during that run and yet created uh, so much success. And so the idea is to that fear is really, you know, a constant companion on the journey and that it's not about not having the fear, but, but having the courage to feel the fear and do it anyway and to be willing to do it afraid, do it messy, do it imperfectly and learn as you grow and that you learn as much from your failures as you do from your successes. So all of that learning and, and loving building a team and working toward an inspired outcome and celebrating wins with teams and building a team from scratch. I, built a 400 person team, you know, one person at a time. And that was thrilling. And with all of the, the trials and tribulations, but also the glory and the, and the, and the gratitude and building a, building a culture of people that love what they were doing and were inspired every day and, and humans that are happy and succeeding and thriving, which is, I think the most important piece. Did you eat a lifetime's share of barbecue over right. the course of those 10 years? I, did. <laughs> I absolutely did. I also had a, um, I just, we just packed up and moved as, as you know, cause, but, um, so I, ha I also have 14 pairs of cowboy boots as part of that <laughs> year of my life. Uh, I invested heavily in 
you know, the proper attire to be a, a barbecue, a Texas barbecue and fried chicken restaurateur. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, and, and lot ate a ton of great barbecue, not only ours, but did lots of tasting tours in, in Texas and lots of other areas. You know, it's, it's a, it's a required part of the job to make sure that the quality is great and that you're doing the absolute best that you can to keep up with all that's going on in the food world. Well, we, we will, we will spend a great deal of time talking about your coaching and, but just last question on barbecue. So, so what is the secret to great barbecue in your opinion, given, given your adventures there? You know, what's interesting is it's, it's the commitment and the love of the process, which I think is an important piece. It's an art form. And I think mastery in any endeavor, you know, as a sales leader, as an entrepreneur, as an artist, as a, a, a anything that you're doing as a business person, it's the willingness to really get in deep into the process and to, I think, love what you're doing. You know, the especially the uh, the pitmasters who are cooking our barbecue, living, breathing, speaking barbecue, tasting, passionate, uh, low and slow is the key, right? So being willing to commit to, you know, the key to barbecue is low temperature, long hours, you know, cooking things for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. There's an element of patience and persistence and, and faith in the outcome and just really loving and passionate about what you're doing and caring about that smile that comes over someone's face when you watch them taste your food, you know, that the food is cooked with love and served with love. And when you see it received with love, that's, that's the magic right there. That's awesome. Well, well, let's talk about, you know, the, the transition. So I, it is a striking, you know, you built this incredible company. It's, it's a, it's a well-known institution here in New York city, as I can attest. And then you decided to, to, I don't know about quit at all. I don't know what your, you know, your ownership is uh, existing in Hill Country, but basically to radically change your career. So walk us through that process, that journey of leaping from something that you just spent 10 years building into, you know, the coaching business that you just, that you started, I guess, five years ago, but was, but is still relatively new. So, yeah, the, the, I think this is important for everyone who, you know, there's, there's sort of like the, um, the key steps to having a transformation. And I think that the first step is to really what I call, and my mentor, Mary Morris, he calls honoring your longing and your discontent, right? And so for, for many years, I had developed a longing to serve people in a deeper way. Uh, 22 years ago, um, I had developed a drinking problem and I got sober and that led to a spiritual awakening and a calling for me to learn about myself, a passion for personal development, for spirituality and for helping myself become better and also helping other people become better. And I think that longing evolved over time with various commitments. I became an ordained interfaith minister about uh, 14 years ago on that path, but I was always doing business as my main, you know, as my main endeavor and doing those kinds of things on the side. And I was uh, 49 years old, about to turn 50. And Really, and I think it's a time of life that you take stock on where you are. I had, a, as I had said earlier, I had a, a, a wife, a recent wife. I'm a, a bit of a late bloomer in relationship. I got married when I was 46. I had a one-year-old daughter at the time. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. Huge <laughs> blessing and uh, also a journey. Um, <laughs> and I realized uh, I lo- there's, a, there's a great quote uh, from a, one of my favorite poems. May I have the courage today to live the life that I would love to waste my heart on fear no more. And so what I realized was, so to do at last what I came here for, excuse me, and waste my heart on fear no more. 
And that quote really struck me because I recognized that while I had had success and I was doing something that I was good at and had some passion for, that I did not, was not in fact doing the thing I came here for. That there was a level of spiritual service, personal service, helping people grow that I was passionate about and that I had been holding off and avoiding for fear, you know, for wanting to do the practical, safe thing to make a good living, to support my family. But that longing and discontent reached a heightened state And I think for all the listeners, when you are endeavoring for a transformation, it's important to be willing to stoke the fire and experience your longing and discontent and turn it into what uh, Napoleon Hill called a burning desire. And so what what was feeling incomplete and longing and discontent, I turned into a burning desire to create some change. And that, so the, the, the turning of 50 served as, served as sort of a defining moment. And I made a decision that I was going to create change, that, that I was going to take a scary step. And I found a mentor, Mary Morrissey. I, I became certified and I'm in sort of a PhD program to this day and transformational studies and, and coaching. And I took a leap and it was scary. And I'll, you know, one funny story you know, one of my jobs as a dad is to read bedtime stories to my daughter. And we used to, at the time we were reading Old MacDonald and I was singing Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And I was doing the cow sounds and the, and all the different sounds. And during those times when I was first contemplating leaving and then taking the step, I was literally having an anxiety attack internally. Like, what have I done? You know, this is crazy. So having fear, but singing that song while I'm like internally freaking out and trying to just be a good dad and and sing a fun song. So it's not without, you know, fear. Fear is just the energy of the border of the reality we've known. And it's important to be able to befriend and embrace your fear. But I knew that something was being called forth in me, that I didn't want to wake up at the end of my days and realize that I had not really taken the risk to serve and to be the man that I had always imagined I could be. So it was a scary leap and it required something called what I call visionary thinking or Emerson and Thoreau compared uh, transcendental thinking that they called to common hour thinking and the or common sense. And at the time, my common sense or common hour thinking was what kind of an uh, irresponsible father of a one-year-old would leave his safe and secure career to start a new business. And that makes a lot of sense. So our fear is often very seductive. And my fear was very seductive because I wanted my whole life to be a father and a responsible father and husband and being responsible was always a key core value for me. And so I kind of set up this opposition that doing the thing that I was called to do would be contrary to that. But that's the way this, what I call the paradigm or the operating system of our limiting beliefs keeps us stuck in our tracks. So sometimes it's just about being willing to take the scary step, believing that you're being, you're, if you're called to do something that you feel like is really your passion and purpose to be able to lean in and to take that step. And thank God it worked out. And I'm blessed that uh, I'm doing what I love right now, which is, uh, which, which I, which is the greatest gift, I think. Were you, were you, I mean, obviously you had a lot of fear, but one of the fears just as a business person potentially, but I'm just curious on what your plan was. One fear, you you were operating a business at scale and uh, scale offers a lot of advantages and becoming an individual coach is, um, it can be difficult. I mean, I don't know what your financial goals were, but it can be difficult to create net 
to create wealth as just one person uh, working with clients. So how did you think about, was money a part of the consideration? Did you have a plan for how to turn it into even more? What was, uh, you know, what, what was your, what was your strategy there? So, you know, a few things, absolutely money, you know, just so on the mindset or the, or the, or the belief element, I believe, and I think Maslow spoke about this, that if we do the thing that is most in alignment with what we would love, if we honor our inner guidance and don't, what he said, most people do trade that in for external approval and do what other people think that we should do, that we will be more successful, we will be happier, and we will actually make more money, that we'll be living center stream to our being. And I learned this through my studies with my mentor, Mary, and other people, that I believe I have a, a firm belief, and I believe that for my clients, is that when we are doing what we are most passionate about and called to do, it's like we're out in the middle of the current of the river, where the force and power are strong, and that's where there will also be more financial compensation. So that that is an underlying belief. In terms of scale, I watched my mentor build a coaching business and a teaching business that's uh, many multiples, many you know multiple million dollar business. And so I've learned strategies. There is group coaching. There is professional speaking. There is teaching classes where you have fifty, a hundred, five. She has she has classes that you know that are five hundred people on the line. She sells uh, programs for you know hundred thousand dollars per year or more for, for coaching. So there are ways to scale your revenue in terms of one-on-one. There are ways to scale your revenue in terms of group and in terms of offering different kinds of programs and structures of support. Um, and then potentially also developing a roster of, of coaches that I might potentially work with one day was another potential strategy. Cool. And, uh, so far, so good. How are are things moving according to your plan? Yes, thank God. I mean, uh, you know, I've replaced the income um, more than replaced the income that I was making. In, in, oh, that's in good. Current uh, in my in my restaurant job and um, and yes, and and scaling. You know, every year. I mean, for example, you know, through through this pandemic, you know, when I think we all had fears about how that would affect my business. Thank God. Uh, my business has been up over 25% uh, during these months, which is, again, a, a testament to that, you know, and one of the things I really want your, your listeners to hear that, you know, we, we live in a personal economy uh, and that, our, our, you know, the mind attracts what the mind dwells upon and that there is tremendous opportunity right now during this adversity, as your incredible success can attest. But, you know, as, as um, Napoleon Hill said, every adversity has the seed of an equal or ben- greater benefit, but we have to find it and plant it and nurture it and harvest it. So this great adversity we experience has an equal and opposite potential benefit. And so while there's tremendous tragedy right now, there's tremendous opportunity for disruption and for really quantum and exponential business growth. And I'm seeing it with my clients. I know you're seeing that, which is incredible. And uh, I'm seeing it in my own business as well. First of all, I'm glad to hear that your business is up 25%. And yes, I sort of buried the lead, didn't I? When, uh, because I am a client of yours, John. So uh, the listeners should know that. And uh, I can heartily attest to um, to the work that we've been doing over the past year because it's been completely transformational for me. When you, uh, some of the language and the vocabulary and the nomenclature uh, comes across, well, you know, you're using spiritual words and you're using words that, um, I guess I, I'm, my question is, 
do you encounter people that are turned off or that aren't sure or cynical or skeptical about the way that you describe transformation? And how do you handle that objection when you encounter people that feel like maybe this stuff is not for them because maybe it's spirituality isn't something that comes into their day-to-day business life. Do you have a way of cracking those kinds of people open? Absolutely. And uh, thank you. That's, that's a great question. And, um, you know, so often what I'll use is, um, is quantum physics and neuroscience, right? Because I think um, many people, you know, it's a, it's a very charged topic, spirituality, because um, most people have uh, ingrained beliefs that were created by their experiences with organized religion, you know, either a good experience or for many people, a not so good experience that, and so what I believe that they've kind of thrown out the baby with the bathwater. And so what's, what's amazing right now is that modern science is just proving that there are universal principles, just like the law of gravity, the law of thermodynamics, the law of mathematics, that there are universal principles about the way, you know, the way it works in this quantum field, in this energy system, you know? And so my encouragement to people is to recognize that there are principles that if you master those principles, like mastering the principle of mathematics, you know, you move up the ladder from, you know, my daughter thinks addition, five uh, piles of, a- of five apples is the only way to get to 25. You get a little older, you realize you can get there with two fives by multiplication. You get a little older and you go to more advanced math, you realize you can get there with one five by squaring it. And so what I try to help people do is recognize that there are principles, you know, laws about the way results occur, that if you master those principles and you master the reality that your thoughts are generating, as one of the things that um, uh, Einstein said was that our thoughts generate a magnetic field that organize the molecular structure of time and space into the form of our results. And if you match the frequency of the reality you want... It must be yours. This is not philosophy, he said. It's physics, right? That we're that we are we are living in a in a, we. I think everyone knows and agrees who and knows anything about science that the quantum field is. We live in a universe of energy. What Einstein said was, everything is energy. It can be no other way, right? And so, if you match that frequency, so if you think thoughts that are in alignment with the reality you want to create, you actually generate a magnetic field. That's the law of attraction. You could say that that's woo-woo stuff, right, that some people say. Or you can just know that, you know, Napoleon Hill wrote a book about the most successful at the time multimillionaires who are equivalent of multi-billionaires today. All of them, you know, the Andrew Carnegie's of the world, the Henry Ford's of the world, they knew this understanding and this technology, right? It's not new. It's just there are many people who have, you know, who have belief systems that are contrary and kind of throw out those principles. Uh, so I try to talk to people in terms of the science and the neuroscience. Uh, and usually if they are not open as much, and then what happens is they see the results. You know, they start to see that if I develop a crystal clear vision of where I want to be, you know, most people, they don't live 90 years. They live one year, 90 times because we are beings that work according to patterns. Right. And so we have patterns of thoughts. So there's a results formula I teach, which breaks it down that our thoughts so that we have program beliefs like our programming in the iOS or the Windows operating system that lead to a repetitive set of thoughts that lead to feelings that lead to actions that lead to results. And that creates a thermostatic setting. 
right? There is a pattern. When most of us have a pattern, how much money we make, how much we weigh, how happy we are in relationships. All of those things exist according to patterns, just like our computer works according to patterns of programming. And so if you want to shift your results from 72 degrees, your current results to 75 degrees, in this case, the metaphor saying warmer is better, then you actually have to reprogram your operating system. Your beliefs, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors have to change in order to change your results. And so I work with leaders and entrepreneurs to not only develop the strategies, but to look within themselves to see where their programmed beliefs, thoughts, feelings, and actions can be shifted and where they have self-limiting beliefs or self-limiting or performance-limiting or company-business success-limiting beliefs, thoughts, feelings, and actions is when we reprogram them, they start to see new results, and then they start to really understand, wow, this stuff works. When I change my thinking, my results change, right? It's not common sense. It's not what we were raised to, to believe and understand through most of our education, you know, but that's, that's the truth. So people start saying things like my client today, out of the blue, out of the blue, a new investor showed up. Out of the blue, I got this loan I needed. Out of the blue, a new business opportunity. And you start to realize it's not out of the blue. You're generating that because we are connected to and one with this, this universal energy, this quantum field. And as the observer effect proved in quantum physics, when they did those experiments at Stanford, that our intention, what happened was they, they showed that the experiment result was dictated by the intention of the person doing the experiment. That transformed our understanding about science and about the way results occur. And so that proved that our intentions, our visions dictate our results. So hopefully that's helpful in ask, answering some different ways of thinking about it that might be more science-based and address some of those concerns. Thank you for that, for that explanation. The, I think a lot of people come into this concept of coaching and aren't sure what to expect or what it is. How do you how do you define it and how do you think it's different from traditional like psychotherapy? So, first of all, I think it's I think it's interesting that it's come into you know, it was it's become much more widely known that, you know, first of all, we've always known that every great athlete always had a coach, right, to get them to their peak performance and what we're starting to see is uh that every great leader has, we know that they've had advisors, but has had coaches. Uh, there was a guy who was, he has a book called The Billionaire, uh, The Billion Dollar Coach. And he was, you know, coaching the leaders of Microsoft and Facebook and Google, right? So, you know, it's not widely known that leaders at that level are being, or are, are having coaches, but, you know, we all need support in order to achieve our peak performance. You know, we have blind spots as human beings, and it's important to have somebody who can provide a structure of support and guidance and also help you become aware of uh, your own inner guidance in order to help you create the things that you would love and to be a sounding board. Um, so I think um, where it differs from traditional psychotherapy is that Psycho there are, are therapeutic elements because sometimes we go deep into beliefs and where they came from. There may be limiting beliefs. For example, if you have beliefs around money and money doesn't grow on trees and your family didn't make a lot of money or they thought that you know rich people were not such good people, that might affect your financial results. 
And so we explore sometimes the roots of some of our, of our programming and our results, but it's always in service of moving forward and a vision. That's where it's different. I think oftentimes, and there are amazing therapists and I've been in therapy and I have clients who are doing, having amazing results in therapy, but some therapy winds up being almost like backward looking. And one of the principles in this, you know, one of these universal principles is uh, we generate more of what we pay attention to. So what you're paying attention to is what you will attract more of in your life. And so if you're paying attention to your problems or these, a lot of the times people spend years in therapy and they get clear on what their issues are and what their limiting beliefs are and where they came from and what happened with their parents and all of that, but they're not doing anything to change it. So the difference with, with coaching is that we get a really crystal clear vision of where we want to be. We start to take inspired action uh, to move in the direction and then what will happen is limiting beliefs will pop up, but they'll pop up. And so we'll deal with them and clear them or transform them in service of moving forward. So coaching is always about creating something new, moving forward into the future, creating the life, the business, the success that you would love in the future. And so I think that's kind of a broad way that it's different. But we do sometimes go deep because sometimes in coaching, you know, it's required in order to replace oftentimes or you know, our subconscious mind is the source of all of our, is where all of our programming lives. And a lot of it is subconscious. We're not aware of it. So sometimes it requires becoming aware of, of the things that are limiting us uh, before we can change it, move beyond it, and then clear that from being an obstacle and move forward. I think that the concept of, you know, sort of subconscious thinking behaviors from early in your life that you're not even are aware are impacting you those can feel so big and so large that they're very daunting to change, but maybe that's also common hour thinking. Um, but you know, how long does it take? What's the process by which you work with people to, to change how they like the, how, how they think basically. So I think, uh, you know, a couple of things, first of all, yes, it can feel daunting, but that's exactly why we want kind of a structure of support. Right. And so, well, my job is to provide, you know, teaching of principles, success principles. And so there's a level of education and insight. There's a level of um, what I believe kind of the most important part was evocative coaching, which is helping my clients get really clear on their inner guidance, again, which will be the source of their greatest success. So I'm not necessarily, I'm happy to sometimes give advice, but the more powerful work is when people source their own guidance and to take inspired action to, to, you know, solve their challenges and, and achieve their goals. Um, and there's also, you know, an emotional support and an accountability. So being there to support someone, being there to, as a partner in believing, holding a belief in my client, a great uh, therapist named Carl Rogers once called it unconditional positive regard, that we hold the people we work with in an unconditional positive regard, meaning I see you as my client as having infinite potential to create anything and everything you would absolutely love. And I hold an energy of that and a structure of support that inspires that. And sometimes, you know, and I have people who are providing coaching for me to provide that for me because we all need that. And so to, to have somebody who's taking a stand for your 
infinite power to create your results that sees you, you know, not in your limit, but in your full potential and in your full power and reminds you of that continuously. That's a big element of what the, of what the, the value is. You have somebody reminding you of you, of you, of who you really are and what you're really capable of, even when you're having challenges and sometimes having pitfalls. So, you know, it's a combination of that emotional support in terms of the time, you know, we can talk about how long we've been working together. I've had clients who have seen massive changes in three months, in six months, in a year. Most of my clients continue working with me for ongoing years because they're seeing the results. But I'd say my introductory programs, we start at three months. I think it's important to at least commit three months. But my clients see palpable differences in at least one area, if not more than one area of their life and business. And more important, they've learned tools to continue to create change. When it doesn't work, why doesn't it work? Is it just a resistance to believing? Like, a, is it just a, an inner hesitation? Well, first, I'll just say to give an example, I have a cl- another client, and, and you know, we, your results have been amazing. But I have multiple clients now whose businesses are up 30, 40, 50 percent uh, since COVID. I have businesses who, who basically all of their business went away and completely pivoted to create a new business. Somebody who was doing on-premise events at a large scale and, and lost all of their business, never had done a virtual event before, just got a million dollar contract to do an event for a major uh, company. And so this works, but I think the, and the truth is it works if you work it, if you're a hundred percent committed. Right. And so, you know, because change can be scary, can, because it can be challenging, people need to be willing to take the steps that they can take. And, you know, mo- most people are not cut out for great success necessarily because they're not willing to really understand that the ultimate truth is that it's an inside out game, that we are responsible for all of our results. Right. So many people don't want to take that kind of responsibility. But for the people who are willing to see that I, that I have power to transform my results, that it's not circumstance-based. It's not because of the, my lack of education or lack of money or my parents or how I was brought up, but that I have the capacity to create results and new results in my life. It starts with that, the taking of responsibility, that it's nothing outside of me, but that I, so that creates power. Because now I'm empowered, you know, at first it may be, oh, you know, not so fun to recognize that I am responsible for all my results because it's easier to blame other people and other situations and the circumstances and the pandemic and the economy. But once you take the power back, now you're empowered. So you can step in and take and have dominion. And so the other piece to understand is just like the law of mathematics and the law of thermodynamics and the law of electricity. Look, we didn't learn how to harness thermodynamics and electricity until, you know, the last 150 years or so, right? Or just a hundred, just over a hundred years, or actually not even quite a hundred years. And so what's interesting is that those laws always existed, but we didn't have mastery over utilizing those laws, right? And so what I understand is that these principles are universal and they work and they work all the time. If I'm not having results, just like if any of my clients are not, it's not that the principles are off. It's just that they're, we are not using our principles. We are not exercising mastery. Maybe we're more committed to our problems, our past, our, our low self-esteem, our insecurities, and we are having a hard time thinking about 
our success because we're stuck in old patterns of belief and thought about ourselves, about what's not possible for us. And so we're not able to break out of that. And that does happen, but it happens rarely. Got it. John, we've got, so you, we were, we're coming to the end of our time, but you, uh, you've got an offer for, for folks that are listening. So tell us if folks are listening and are interested in, in exploring more, how can they get in touch and, and what's, what's the opportunity here? So uh, I just want to say I'm super honored, Sam, that you allowed me to, to, to speak to your listeners. And this has been a great, great honor for me. And um, so I'd like to offer any listeners a complimentary, what I call strategy session. It's an hour phone call with me. We schedule it at your convenience and um, we get really clear on that call on where you are, what your present challenges are and circumstances. We help you develop a crystal clear vision of where you want to be. So the clarity of where you are and what might be standing in the way of your success is really powerful. The clarity in an unprecedented way about where, what you want to create is incredibly powerful. And then I'll help provide you with uh, next steps to move in the direction of that vision. And so I have a website, johnmarkshaw.com, J-O-H-N-M-A-R-K-S-H-A-W.com, or you can email me at john, J-O-H-N, at johnmarkshaw.com. And I would love to uh, schedule a complimentary session with you. Fantastic. And then I, I'm, I would be remiss because you've got so many, you know, you are a huge learner and you consume so much uh, content. You read so many books. You have so many people that have inspired you. When you think about some books, if if we want to get our hands on some books that we can read to begin this personal transformation journey, what are a couple? You don't have to give me twenty, but you know, I, I mean, there are folks out there that don't know who Napoleon Hill is, so maybe we start there. But like, what are two or three or four books that you think we should read so that we can prime our our minds to go on this journey of transformation? So. Um- for those of people who might be a little bit less spiritually oriented, who really want to understand the science, Dr. Joe Dispenza is an incredible teacher, and I really recommend him. He wrote a book about 10 years ago called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, and he explains these principles really beautifully from a quantum physics and a scientific and a neuroscience point of view. My mentor, Mary Morrissey, is an extraordinary teacher. Uh, Tony Robbins is a wonderful teacher. Think and Grow Rich, uh, the book, is a seminal work. Uh, I really love the book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. It was written in 1910. It is very powerful book. Uh, and as you can tell, it's very practical in terms of its application. It's really about teaching people how to build wealth in their lives. But the principles are very much the principles that we've been uh, speaking about. So I think that's very powerful. And uh, Tim Ferriss is a great teacher. He wrote a book called uh, Tools of Titans. That's also a lot more modern stories. So I would encourage people to you know, pick a selection of you know, some of the older classics like Think and Grow Rich and The Science of Getting Rich and pair that up with some more modern books. And um, any one of those would be very powerful. And check out Mary Morrissey, my mentor. She's got channels and YouTube channels, and she's a brilliant teacher as well. Fantastic. And uh, and again, it's uh, John at johnmarkshaw.com if folks want to take you up on that free consultation, right? Absolutely. And I, it would be really my honor. I would love to help you serve you. And there's no obligation to continue with coaching, but I think... Uh, I know that you'll have a, a powerful experience just from our hour-long phone call. And I, uh, John's not paying to be here, folks. I, I bought him on the show because uh, he and I have personally worked together over the last year. And I, you may hear at other times that I'm a worldly, cynical person, but I actually believe everything that John says and believe deeply in uh, 
the power of the universe to transform our lives once we get in touch with that power. So um, my personal work with John has been exceptional. And um, so if you're out there listening and uh, a free one hour call with somebody that might change your life seems like a pretty good deal to me. But of course, it's entirely up to you. And nobody's getting paid to say this just to be extremely completely clear. <laughs> there's a Thank lot of cynical you, people out there. <laughs> uh, John, thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, we'll talk to you on Friday for Friday Fundamentals. Sounds good. Thank you, Sam. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Sam Jacobs. This is Sam's Corner. So what would you think of that conversation with John Mark Shaw? I, I, um, you know, some of it I'm, I'm hesitant to share because some of it sounds, I don't know, new agey, sounds perhaps not true or false, or maybe that's how it sounds to me because I'm a cynic or a skeptic, but I can tell you, I, I've been working with John for about a year now, and this has been the most transformational professional year of my life, and that is late 2019 and throughout 2020, including and perhaps because of uh, everything that's been going on with the global pandemic and with COVID. And so, you know, what do I think you should take from that conversation? Here's one thing that I think not enough people do. I don't think, and I give this advice to people that I'm coaching for career advice. Really, I give it the same advice to everybody. And, and it's really the advice that Napoleon Hill kind of initially articulates and documents in, in the book, Think and Grow Rich, which is visualization. Too many people say they want things, but it's sort of, it's a question more than a statement. And it's a question pushed out to the universe with uncertainty. You know, you say it aloud, but you're, you're not, I want to be rich, but you're not quite sure what it means or how to do it, how to be it. And I found so much benefit in just simply the act of visualization, which in a, which in a way is sort of like backwards reflection, right? Skip forward to three years, skip forward a year. Tell us what you see. You've accomplished the things that you want to accomplish. Describe the moment, describe the feeling. Put yourself in the mind state, not of hoping that something great will happen, but actually in the mindset of something great has already happened. Now describe how it happened and why it happened and put yourself in that state of visualizing the actual destination and describing that destination, right? So many people ask for career advice. My career advice generally is, well, let's work backwards from where do you want to be in five years? And many people haven't written down where do they want to be in five years? And, and this, it's all the same construct, which is, first of all, visualizing or defining your destination at a minimum helps you orient in that deck. Uh, destination towards that destination but again beyond that it's creating um, a mental state that is not skeptical hesitant or or nervous about success but actually assumes that success has already been created and that you know i mean again new agey stuff but like that that all of time is um happening all at once and that really these are just different places on plots on a graph within the space-time continuum and that really all of the things in your life have already happened so let's describe the state let's let's tune your mind to the state that you want things to be in as opposed to questioning whether they ever might be in that state and, you know, again, part of that is also reorienting around taking agency, right? Taking responsibility, taking control, saying that the things that happen to you are in your control. By the way, there are obviously certain things that are not in your control, but even just approaching the day as if things are in your control is frankly a much happier, better way to live, right? How many people do you know that they're just, oh, my, my bad luck, you know, everything happens to me. It was so unfair. 
And of course, everybody's thinking as you hear that, everybody's life is unfair. Bad things happen to everybody. Uh, Terrible things, horrible things happen to people. Isn't it better to reframe that and say, what were the circumstances at least that are within my control and and how can I impact them with a positive mindset and where am I going and where do I want to go? So I'll stop. I'll stop my lecture, my rant. Again, if you want to, if you, if you don't want to embrace any of these ideas, if you want to sort of head into the future with complete uncertainty and a fog, sort of a foggy state where you assume the world is acting upon you and you are powerless to exert any influence, go for it. You know, uh, it it didn't work for me for, for a very long time, but if, but if you think it'll work for you, uh, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck. I think it's a better way to wake up and attack every day when you assume that success is not even po- not just that it's possible, that it's already happened, right? Possible implies doubt. What if you remove the doubt and you just acted as if you were already successful? So anyway, there's a lot more there. I mean, people have built entire businesses around these ideas about teaching people these ideas. So uh, for me personally, it's worked really well. And that's why I wanted to bring uh, John on the show is just sort of to share some of those insights, share some of those ideas. But everybody's journey is specific to them. And I hope whatever you want, uh, you figure out a way to, to get there. This episode has been brought to you by two amazing sponsors. And those two sponsors are Lupio and Outreach. I want to tell you about Lupio one last time. If your team responds to RFPs, you need to try Lupio's intelligent platform. It helps hundreds of sales teams answer RFPs in hours instead of days. Sign up for a personal walkthrough of Lupio today. Your sales team will thank you. Trust us. Again, RFPs are a huge pain in the ass. Lupio is correct in this. So go to lupio.com forward slash sales hacker. Finally, uh, Outreach, the number one sales engagement platform, revolutionizing customer engagement by moving away from siloed conversations to a streamlining customer-centric journey. And finally, finally, Revenue Collective. It's awesome October. We are an inclusive community looking for people that want to better themselves. Frankly, a lot of the ideas I just talked about in Sam's Corner are the reason why Revenue Collective exists, to help give people a roadmap and a guidebook for their career so that you can get where you want to go and to help you visualize that where you want to go is possible and is, in fact, already been attained. So if you want some of that love, again, our mission is to help you achieve your potential. Something great is inside you. We want to help you get there. RevenueCollective.com. Click apply now. Our enrollment team will reach out to you. I don't have anything else to say right now. I'll talk to you next time.